Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier, the day's date is November 23rd. 2020-6261. This I have been told. This is Gullah Jack. I'm here with brothers Makaru and Amos. This is the African Liberation Media. Basic observation. Neighborhoods are problematic for any group seeking empowerment. We're not communities. Clearly, we are neighborhoods or hoods. You've heard these statistics time and time again, but like any problem, it warrants repeating repeatedly. We spend 95% of our annual disposable income with people outside the neighborhood. We spend 5% of our income with people in the community but 3% of that goes to non-Black-owned businesses in the colonial enclaves of the United States, which is a term that Malcolm Amawale, our brother Shabazz, used colonial enclaves, a recipe for disintegration, disempowerment. If we are to achieve African liberation, we have to start with the building and the construction of, as Brother Macaru puts it, the step pyramid first. African liberation media is here. We try to challenge the dominant narrative. Gentlemen, take it where you want to take it. Here with Brothers Macaru and Amos. Abibi Fahodier, African family. This is, in fact, another opportunity for us to discuss issues that you will only hear discussed from this perspective. Recent events, uh, some symbolism of what certainly the elite elements of the power dynamic would like to, the white power dynamic would like to see happen on November the 18th on the floor of the U.S. Senate, uh, the vice president uh, to be perhaps Kamala Harris and the retrograde senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, uh, had an exchange. It was It was a simple fist bump, but the But the symbolism of that reminded me of something that um, the scholar C. Van Woodward wrote in The Strange Career of the New Jim Crow. I mean, not not the New Jim Crow, The Strange Career of Jim Crow. I guess somebody could write a book called The Strange Career of the New Jim Crow also. And I saw it within the context of white power attempting to reconcile their differences and get on with the business of managing the American empire. Gullah Jack alerted me to this in an early morning text. 
Harris and Lindsey both represent the white power structure who want to avoid a civil war and the loss of white lives. Uh, C. Van Woodward remarked, just as the Negro gained his emancipation and new rights through a falling out between white men, he now stood to lose those rights through the reconciliation of white men. White Interesting. Men. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and, and Woodward there is talking about how uh, white supremacy uh, transitioned uh, from the first cycle of white supremacy in, in this land, chattel slavery, into the second cycle, American apartheid. And the white people decided to reconcile their differences, uh, you know, uh, leave black people uh, to the whims of the raw elements of the white supremacy dynamic and institutionalized white supremacists in the uh, old Confederacy. Now, I always say that the, the, the Confederacy lost the, the Civil War, but they won the aftermath. And this is what I think we see the elite elements would like to um, see happen, a, a, a reconciliation. And it really wouldn't surprise me as uh, Donald Trump has finally given his um, administration the authority to proceed with the... Uh, formalities of transition as he continues to file lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. And it's, and it's not just Trump filing lawsuit, even though there seems to be an argument now within the, the Trump camp, which they all, they all, there's always chaos within, within team Trump. Now they, there's something going on between Giuliani and this, this other lady Powell, but uh, they, there are some elements certainly within uh, their faction that that are not don't want any uh, reconciliation and don't want any compromise but it wouldn't surprise me if they don't cut a deal and Joe Biden agrees to pardon Trump of any potential federal crimes and I'm sure they're going they will put pressure on Letitia James and the other people in the states at the state level who might file some charges against Trump because if they if they continue to stoke those fires, uh, certainly there will be a reaction uh, by the, uh, uh, the the zealots of uh, of Team Trump. So it, it it wouldn't surprise me. So I I just saw this this particular incident within uh, the context of reconciliation. Now outside of the context of reconciliation, we see that a group of uh, white supremacists, uh, some uh, contributing uh, nickels, dimes, dollars, and others contributing thousands, raised a $2 million cash bond to get uh, Kyle Rittenhouse released uh, from jail in Wisconsin. Uh, he was particularly funded by uh, some actor named Ricky Schroeder, I have no idea who he is, and uh, the, a, a businessman that owns uh, something called My Pillow, a gentleman by the name of Mike Lindell, a Trump supporter. I don't know if anybody has purchased anything from My Pillow, but they may want to just keep that in mind if they're buying pillows from from this guy that helped uh, bail Rittenhouse out. So. You have you have on that side the kind the people who still want to continue to push 
forward uh, with uh, with their agenda, which would be opposed to the reconciliation that the elites would like to see. So those are just a couple of interesting things that uh, that I saw uh, taking place, and you know I got some other things, and we're going to let Brother Almost go with his opening statement. Baby for Holy A. Yeah, I didn't see the thing that happened between Harrison and Lindsey Graham. I haven't really seen much of uh, the mainstream media news or even stuff on social media because I'm sort of taking a break. I've been keeping up with the independent you know, media and watching some things on YouTube and reading stuff like that. But yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the symbolism of that. Uh, Kamala Harris... She pretty much seems like a carbon copy or female carbon copy of Barack Obama. Uh, just in the way that she operates as a politician, a lot of her mannerisms is almost as if they trained her to act the same way that Obama does. It also seems as though she's willing to do whatever it takes at any cost and not feel any sense of remorse or guilt about anything that she does uh, in a similar way that Obama did. And it's very dangerous for black people because in many cases we fall victim to this type of caricature uh, and the way that she presents herself. And we think that this person has our best interests but they'll be the first person to sell us down a river. I wanted to talk about, and I know this may be kind of early bringing this up, but I wanted to talk about some news that came out uh, that Barbara McCarroll actually brought to my attention about three days ago. And it was news about the merging of U.S. Army Europe and U.S. Uh, Army Africa or the U.S. African Command. And I want to talk about the potential of what that could possibly mean in regards to the effect on African people and, of course, the African continent. Uh, it's interesting that both the headquarters for the U.S. Army Europe and the U.S. Army Africa are both in Europe. Um, that was even something that I was not aware of, that the headquarters for the U.S. Africa, um, U.S. Army Africa is in uh, Italy. We know that there has always been a scramble for Africa historically, uh, going back to the time that we you know we were kidnapped and brought over here all the way up to the Berlin Conference uh, in the late 1800s in and then, of course, neo-colonialism or colonialism, which then became neo-colonialism. And then now you have China, who is predominantly investing financially, which will ultimately lead to exploitation of African people. But they're investing across the African continent. And there's a competition between the United States and also China and Russia. Also, what was once a rising threat to the United States with Muammar Gaddafi and his regime in Libya, the U.S. Army Africa, African Command, was put in place 
to be able to neutralize any threat that could rise up on the African continent, which would then cause conflict or be detrimental to U.S. foreign interests. Now you have a, and we always thought for the most part that this was being done for the better interests of European countries as well anyway. But now it seems as though this is an official merging of these two forces that will more than likely be used to what I think will happen is they're going to try to start a new terror war in Africa and they're going to link it to these extremist groups that a lot of them rose out of the fall of Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, they've already been fighting for a long time in Kenya against Al-Shabaab and in Somalia. And as Baba Makaru talked about on the last program, when he uh, gave a shout out to the Renegade podcast and talking about Mozambique and talking about the resources there as far as the liquid gas, Africa, we know, has trillions of dollars of resources. And with the rise of China on the African continent, they're going to use these forces to mask a invisible enemy, which has always been this this terror threat and use that as a, a as a reason to further recolonize the African continent. The interesting part about it is that a lot of these African countries allow the United States to set up these military bases in their country. We've been talking about this for years and how when it originally started uh, at the end of George Bush's tenure, how detrimental we thought it was then. And now it seems as though it's expanding and this is only going to get worse. Um, just recently, you know, the United States paid the Ghanaian government $20 million. I don't know, that might have been rescinded, but I, I know there was an article at the time where they paid the, United, the, the uh, Ghanaian government $20 million to set up a base there and to do all of these different type of uh, training experiments and all these things in your country. And how much power and sovereignty do you have and leverage do you have as a country when you allow other countries to set up a military base there and making you think that it's for your protection, but you really giving them the power and authority to operate militarily in your country. That means at any time that they want to, they can use that military to attack you and already have a base and also know the logistics of your country to attack you as well. The United States would never allow China to set up a military base here, and China would never allow the United States to set up a military base over there. So, exactly. I mean, when we talk about power on this show, this is one of the things that is the most frustrating thing to deal with in regards to looking back at the African continent is the leadership that's in place that makes these type of decisions. And that's not putting our brothers and sisters on the continent down at all. But it's just giving a critical analysis of 
what we what we're seeing happen in various countries that makes you vulnerable instead of strengthening you and, and, and protecting your people from who we know are the real terrorists. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, that's why Kwame Nkrumah wrote his, his last book was titled the class struggle in Africa. And, you know, he recognized that there was a quote unquote African elite or bourgeois bourgeoisie capitalist class that was, had an umbilical uh, relationship to uh, the tribes of the North Atlantic, and they operate in their self-interest and in the interest of, uh, you know, their former uh, colonial masters versus the interests of the masses of African people. And so, so when we when we are criticizing what's going on in the African world. You know, we are very, very specific because, you know, we are critical thinkers and we, we always frame our criticisms within, within the context of uh, neocolonialism and the other factors that, that, that we see impacting uh, the masses of African people whose liberation and, and empowerment we are primarily concerned with because that's who we are part of. So we, we would never put down the masses of African people, our brothers and sisters, even though we have things that um, that we can criticize them for as, as the same as we have issues right here that, 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 that we can criticize, you know, our people for, you know, the psychology of self-hatred and self-defeat, for example, that Gullah Jack was talking about last week. But, you know, if you when you listen to the words, you know, think about this now. Just think about this. The U.S. Army European Command, the U.S. Army Africa Command. The United States has bases all over the world, and it's not just on the African continent where, you know, uh, various countries allow the United States to operate, but you see that there, there will always be this fraternal relationship between the United States and particularly Western Europe and after the fall of the um, of the uh, Soviet Union and the uh, Warsaw Pact you saw them immediately expand into those uh, countries that had been part of uh, had been connected internationally with uh, the Soviet Union you saw you see how they've expanded into Romania and in Hungary and uh, Czechoslovakia and, and, and Poland, and now right on the doorstep, right on the doorstep of uh, Russia itself in Ukraine. It's incredible. And Gullah Jack and I remember what happened during the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, how the, how, uh, the, the war hawks, I mean, it, if, if you had not had a strong president the, the world was right on the brink of nuclear annihilation. And in, in, our, in our elementary schools, they had me and Gullah Jack hiding under desk. <laughs> As if that was going to spare us from 10 million degree heat. But, but I bought it hook, line, and sinker. But, uh, I mean, years later, brother, I would discover that had a Soviet officer 
not countermanded an order from Moscow to fire, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here, right. you know, having grown up in Florida. But, uh, I mean, we have had our prophets and our gurus talk about the situation that you and um, Brother Amos Macaroon just described. And Brother Omar Wallace's last speech, he talked about the power struggle being worldwide with its domestic bases in Paris and London and Washington, D.C. You know, along those lines, uh, the great Queen ancestor, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, uh, one of her opening statements is that white supremacy is a global system. Exactly. Exactly. Game set Matt. And, and 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 the US military, it is the face of white supremacy abroad. Exactly. Uh I have you know, just last last, last uh, comment, I have held my tongue during Veterans Day and I can understand the brothers uh receiving condolences for having served in the military. Of course, you know, if we had full in if we had full uh employment, we probably wouldn't have a US military. Right. So we're not criticizing those brothers, but we're criticizing the motive, the intent, the imperialist agenda of the collective white power dynamic, uh, which extends its tentacles emanating from Washington, D.C. to at least 700 plus, maybe even a th as many as a thousand bases worldwide. Clearly, this is the uh, first global empire. This is the first global empire so many have articulated. Yeah, and, you know, of course we wouldn't criticize because your father and my father both were uh, in the U.S. military during World War II. So, of course, we wouldn't, wouldn't uh, do that. And, of course, if, if, if we did have full employment, that there would be a draft and that there might be, there might be an anti-war movement because... You know, once young white men started dying in Vietnam, I mean, it, you had an outburst. But the point I was making regarding regarding the uh, before I couldn't control my laughter regarding uh, what happened, you know, in in, in uh, 1962 there with uh, with Cuba and the Soviet Union, you know, installing uh, missiles, uh, the United States was ready to go to war and destroy the whole world to stop that. So. Uh, the United States, you know, following in the in the footsteps of Great Britain, although, you know, uh, they had you know a similar type of uh, military arrangement, but not not a, not in the in the total scope of the United States. What you what you see uh, is that there is a there is a determination to to make sure that they control every aspect of this globe as they can. And as uh, many of our scholars have pointed out, particularly if you read uh, Du Bois, uh, The African Roots of War, and he's talking about World War One, and many people don't even connect World War One to Africa. Africa is, is always the key. The Congo alone has over $20 million, 20, yeah, $20 trillion worth of resources. Just the Congo by itself. Uh, uh, when Ian Smith was begging the United States and the European powers to uh, invade Zimbabwe, uh, one of one of the one of his propaganda 
ploys was he said that Zimbabwe set right in the middle of what was called this the Persian Gulf of strategic minerals and the, the Persian Gulf of course is considered to be one of the most uh, important uh, and valuable uh, land masses the countries of the Persian Gulf because of, of oil and Ian Smith was telling them that look at out pl the platinum the <coughs> excuse me the chromium and the uh, the other strategic what they have what's called strategic uh, minerals in the United States actually has as part of, as part of their uh, foreign policy that uh, any threat to cut off these uh, strategic minerals which are desperately needed you know particularly for the uh, military industrial complex cobalt copper uh, you know these type, aluminum these types of things are germanium that that any any uh, government around the world but particularly in Africa that would seek to cut off these resources, that would be grounds for the United States declaring war. And of course, we know that this is the primary reason that Patrice Lumumba had to be overthrown and assassinated. And the tragedy, as Brother Amos is, is, is mentioning here, is that uh, the leaders that we have on the continent, these neo-colonial puppets, running dog lackeys of uh, North Atlantic imperialism, uh, just really and truly don't have any concerns at all or don't care about the fact that, you know, their countries are being totally dominated and the masses of their people are suffering while they, you know, are, you know, enriching themselves. Uh, there was another point I wanted to make now about that, but I, I, I've, I've forgotten it. So, uh, you know, we can we can move on to, you know, whatever whatever else we want to talk about or continue that. Well, well, something's related, and I'll be real quick, is um, what Brother Amos Wilson used to articulate so well, is that we can see the criminality of, I'm just throwing out a name, Freeway Ricky, protecting his sphere of influence. But we don't see the criminality of this Monroe Doctrine that's uh, imbues the United States with the capacity or the audacity, for lack of a better term, to feel that they can confiscate other people's resources in the Western Hemisphere and not allow those indigenous people to use resources for themselves. You know, you got the Monroe Doctrine, or as Bush used to put it, protecting our sphere of influence or our way of life. Just want to point that out, the contradiction. And uh, of course, we are approaching January when Dr. King was confronted by uh, gang members in Chicago, and they raised the critical question as it relates to violence when Dr. King tried to uh, get these brothers in Chicago to put down their arms. You know, uh, they countered his argument by saying, well, Dr. King is in our government using massive dosages of violence to solve its problems or to <laughs> take resources, which prompted Dr. King, of course, to uh, move in the direction of opposing the war in Vietnam. Right, right. Uh, moving on to, you know, back to uh, 
U.S. politics. The Georgia will become the 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 center of the uh, U.S. Uh, political universe uh, over the next few weeks as they move towards the January 5th uh, runoff election between uh, two uh, Democrat candidates and uh, two Republicans, one one an elected senator and the other one an appointed senator. I think one of them just tested positive for uh, for the coronavirus. Uh, our honorable our honorable brother, the right Reverend Doctor Jeremiah Wright, is is being uh, dragged you know into the to the Senate race because. One of the candidates, uh, the Reverend Raphael Warnock, who happens to be the um, uh, head minister at the uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church, the uh, pulpit formerly occupied by Martin Luther King Sr. and, and Jr., and they, they started playing some of uh, Reverend Wright's uh, Assault on uh, on America using uh, the prophecies of uh, divine reciprocity. What he, when he called when he talked about God damn America because of you know what America had done. You know, similar to what Dr. Dr. King said. You know, I can hear God saying to America, "You too arrogant," and if you don't change your evil ways, I'll rise up and break the backbone of your power and that's essentially what what reverend wright was talking about all of the things you know that that had been that the united states had done for example uh you know sp speaking again once once again as almost said the united states uh wouldn't would not only never allow anyone to have a base in the united states you, you can't even have a nobody could even have a base anywhere in the uh in in the western hemisphere you know we saw we saw how they used the, uh, they, they played the uh, Fidel Castro, the Cuban card, and uh, attacked, overthrew, and killed our brother Maurice Bishop way down in Grenada. What, is, what does tiny Grenada have to do with the United States? I mean, really, you know, uh, why is crack cocaine, why did the crack cocaine uh, epidemic explode, you know, like a hydrogen bomb? On the uh, on the black communities, because the United States wanted to control Nicaragua, you know, want they want to control El Salvador, Guatemala, and all and 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 all of these countries, you know, Costa Rica, Mexico. So, you know, this you know this is this is what we this is what we see taking place. But uh, they said that um, I I tell you what I just read what we wrote on African Liberation Media. The re-thugs, meaning Republicans, Republican thugs, are dragging the Honorable Reverend Jeremiah Wright into the Georgia Senate race. They are using Reverend Wright to bash the Democrat candidate, Reverend Raphael Warnock. While many lawmakers, including Obama, have dismissed some of Wright's commentary as being inflammatory, Warnock has repeatedly defended the preacher. We celebrate Reverend Wright in the same way that we celebrate the truth-telling tradition of the black church, which when preachers tell the truth very often, it makes people uncomfortable, he said during a 2008 Fox News uh, appearance. So, you know, what they do, uh, 
you know, they, they start going back through uh, every nook and cranny, finding every possible thing that uh, that someone has used. And so they, they're connecting this brother, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to Reverend Wright, the same as they, you know, did with Obama. And Obama immediately buckled under and, 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 and condemned Reverend Wright. And they're also charging him with... Um, with anti-Semitism because he said Palestinian lives matter. Now, he said this in 2018. Perhaps he wasn't even thinking about running for the U.S. Senate then or thinking that, uh, you know, it would, it, would, it would be something that, that they would use against him. But for, but for his, but for his uh, own, own position, you know, he, he, he's trying to play, you know, both ends there. He said that uh, he, he wrote an editorial in a... In a uh, a magazine or a news outlet called Jewish Insider on November the 9th, he said, I stand with Israel without reservation. You can count on me to stand with the Jewish community and Israel in the U.S. Senate. You, you, you can't stand with Israel and then say Palestinian lives matter. That's just that, that, that's <coughs> absolute hypocrisy. But, you know, this is what we get from these, uh, from these, these politicians. And it, it'll be interesting to see exactly... You know how that race turns out. Uh, everybody is touting the prowess of uh, Stacey Abrams, the uh, sister down there that is being given credit for uh, Joe Biden, quote unquote, winning Georgia. Uh, so you know we'll 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 see what happens because um, you know it, here's what I think that I think the power elite would be okay with. Mitch McConnell and the Republicans controlling the Senate. I think they would be absolutely okay with that uh, because they always try to make sure that, that, that they have everything in position so that they can manipulate one party this way and manipulate one party the other way. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, how much difference is there between, if you look at their records, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden anyway when they were in the U.S. Senate. So... Uh, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that some of these elites that push so hard to get Biden would kind of pull back and say, OK, let's let the Republicans have the Senate. So we got that, quote unquote, check and balance. We, we'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> some empirical evidence. Um, I was talking with a group of 11th graders today. Um, well, we're talking about six hundred dollars a week in unemployment benefits that McConnell and his McConnell and the Republican Party and the Democrats want to hold up. 80% of Americans live from paycheck to paycheck while Congress is on vacation. McConnell, of course, anytime you bring up social or domestic programs, he's going to cite the debt. Yet the contradiction is that 1.9 trillion tax cuts were engineered by McConnell $170 billion, uh, which include a windfall that went to people like Jared Kushner, uh, contrast that with 90% of small businesses and people, uh, black people, got nothing. And, of course, the uh, ongoing escalation of the war machine, $740 billion, uh, which he supported, we're talking about the defense spending bill, which the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus, also endorses a rubber stamps. Yeah, and 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 you know there are two 
looming catastrophes as a result of, uh, you know, the COVID economy. About 20 million people are due to come off of, uh, you know, unemployment insurance. 20 million. The, uh, the unemployment insurance is going That's to incredible. Run, it's going to run out, and they will have no income. No income. And of course, you know the, the you know the uh, the black community, African American community, was already uh, large segments of it was already in a depression before this. If particularly if you look at the unemployment of a uh, you know uh, black males age you know 21 and 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 under. Um, the other looming catastrophe is about uh, 30 to 40 million people who are due to be evicted as, uh, you know, those, uh, the moratorium on evictions begins, you know, to expire. And uh, to Trump and McConnell's credit, you know, they had come up with something. I mean, it, it, it wasn't as much as, you know, what they, what they did in the original uh, CARES Act, which I think gave about a trillion dollars to Wall Street. Um, and Nancy Pelosi said that she would not sign a bill, she would not pass a bill if, it was going, if the checks were going to go out and have Donald Trump's name on it. <laughs> so it didn't, matter. it didn't matter that people would be suffering. And so now McConnell is playing the same game. Well, now you want me to, you want you want us to pass it now that you think you're gonna have a president. I mean, you you you, you, you see just how ridiculous and obnoxious these people are, and 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 they they call it a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. I mean, it's it's this whole thing called American democracy. People don't save our democracy, Van Jones and. Save our democracy. You, uh, you have got to be out of your mind. What democracy? It's never been a democracy. It's always been a republic. Come on. It's always been a republic. I pledge Most people just to don't the understand the Constitution and they don't understand how it's set up and how it works. Yeah, I, I mean, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United Corporations of America <laughs> and to the empire to which it stands one nation under surveillance with liberty and justice for a few white folk. I mean, you even know? that vote in the presidential election, all of those other votes, they decide, you know, the senators and the house seats and all of that stuff. But the president, that's, no, that's nothing more than a artificial simulation. The real vote takes place when the electoral college go vote in Congress. So it's a Republic. They pick who the president is. Now, normally, you know, they'll side with the people, the people's vote. But constitutionally, they don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah and that, that, that vote is coming up within a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. And, and, what, and what we're talking about here is the gap between public policy and public demand. And Pelosi and her henchmen playing politics with people's lives, uh, which both wings of the party do. You know, it, the question begs, how do, how do working people flex their muscles? You got to stay in the street, you know, in spite of what the mayor of Atlanta may say or the mayor of D.C., Bowser, whoever. 
you know, the movements, all that we have. Exactly. Exactly. There was another uh, police shooting um, in uh, Cocoa, Florida, which is uh, Brevard County. Um, it was a traffic incident. And, uh, you know, what we just posted is that another traffic incident leads to law enforcement killing two black teenagers, Angelo Crooms, 16, and Sincere Pierce, 18. Pierce was in the back seat of a car that was fired into by a deputy sheriff. I think he fired nine shots. The sheriff justified the killings. The sheriff's officer said that the deputies believed that the car was stolen and had fled from another deputy earlier. Now, when you look at the video, you can see the car is, is moving through a, a neighborhood at, at, you know, it looked like 20, 25 miles per hour. They weren't fleeing from anyone. The officers pulled behind them, never turned their blue lights on. Family members say that the car was lent to the boys by a family friend and that it was a case of mistaken identity. Lawyers for the family at a rally Saturday blamed the deputies for not running a check on the car's license plate before attempting to stop the car with guns drawn. Uh, the, uh, the driver of the car, the 16-year-old, backed up and the, the sheriff was had a uh, a gun pointed, two of them had their guns pointed and were, were telling them to stop. And, you know, I don't know what, what the young man, if he panicked or what they had, they said that they found two guns in the car, but if it wasn't their car, I mean, you know, who knows? Uh, and, uh, you know, this one deputy fired, the other one didn't. Uh, from the video, you can see that the bullet holes in the side, of, you can see bullet holes in the side of the car. You know, that gives you reason for a lot of questions. If an officer's life is in danger, is it still in danger once the car is past him? Asked uh, Chuck Drago, a former police chief in Florida. So uh, the family is called Ben Crump and some other people. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and we'll see what happens. But once again, we can see that uh, the, the, all of these mass demonstrations are simply, you know, not having any uh, a broad-based uh, impact. Uh, there was another incident that I, I really didn't have time to to do a lot of research on where there was in Jacksonville. She and her boyfriend was asleep, and there was, once again, another uh, type of raid, and she actually shot the officer. This uh, this allowed her to, to live, and, uh, you know, she's she's in, 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 uh, in jail in Jacksonville, and the judge has refused to reduce a bond, even though she said, you know, she was firing in self-defense, um, you know, better to fire self-defense than to be gunned down in cold blood like Breonna Taylor, in my opinion. Uh, but that was another one that, uh, that we, you know, I, I haven't had time, uh, you know, to look, to look into, but, you know, it just goes to show once again, that these uh, killings are uh, continue unabated and, you know, all of this, uh, mass activity because, is not connected <clears throat> to any type of national movement, national organization that, that's coordinated so that that people can make national demands uh, that have an impact, although, albeit reforms, you know, like the civil rights uh, movement did. So, you know, this is this is what we see continuing to happen, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, around the country. Once again, here, here are two black teenagers uh, you know, who have been killed. Traffic stop now. Traffic 
traffic stop and you know the the officer continuing to fire after the car had passed him because the sheriff said well they were driving the car towards him but you can see that the car was actually not going straight towards the officer they could have gone straight toward the officer perhaps and it run into him before they got got killed uh but the one guy was sitting in the back seat why did he get killed it sort of reminded me of an incident that we had here in Charlotte back in, I think it was 1997, a sister by the name of Carolyn Sue Bettiger over on State Street. She was riding uh, with a, a friend of hers who uh, came upon a, a license check, and the guy decided to blast through the license check. And as he was coming towards the car, I think they fired a total... I want to say either either 21 or 23 shots. Uh, I think 11 shots were fired as they were coming, as the car was coming towards the uh, the license check. They continued to fire as the car passed. 12 shots were fired after the car passed, and Sister Bettiger was shot in the back of the head and killed. And of course, the district attorney at the time knew Jim Crow, Peter Gilchrist, of course, filed no charges against these officers. So you, here you have another situation like that. You know, we'll see how this particular incident comes about, you know, what, what, what it results in. But once again, we just see that the, this, this Black Lives Matter thing is just, it, it's, it's, not, it's not having the, the kind of impact that it possibly could have if you had people who were truly interested in, you know, some type of struggle for power. Yeah, uh, just to paraphrase Brother Wilson again, Dr. Amos Wilson, uh, you know, how easily we accept substitutes for power. You know, whether we're talking about neocolonial puppets here, and abro here or abroad, we don't demand any change. We just demand royalty in high places. Mm. This has been the African Liberation Media. I am Gullah Jack here with Brother Zamos and Macaroo. Brother, almost tell us how the listening audience can support us. Always visit our website, AfricanLiberationMedia.com, where you can find all of our podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. And if you're viewing this video, give it a thumbs up and leave a comment down in the comment section. You can always check us out on social media. Until next week, or until next time, I'm Beeper for ODA. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important. 
But ultimately, those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world. Thank you.